Well, if you have a Bible with you this morning, I'd invite you to take it out to the book of Philippians chapter 3. There's one located in front of you if you don't have one uh, with you currently. And last week, we began a series called Gospel Community. And our hope uh, is that this, through the series of the local church family, that we may better understand what it is to be the people of God gathered together for His purposes. And so we're going to walk through really uh, just four Sundays, including this one, on what it looks like to be a local church family that understands what it means to be God's people gathered together, set aside for His purposes. And the truth is this, that, that my hope is that we would better understand what it means to be a gospel community here at State Street Church. And that we would begin to just make strides that reflect what it is a gospel community looks like. And so when you, see, when you hear gospel community, please don't think small group, don't think um, community group. What I mean by that really is um, a local people of God, centered and focused around the gospel and the hope found in Jesus Christ. And so that's what we're looking at. And so uh, it'll just be four kind of topics we'll be working through, again, including this week. But last week we began just looking at the overarching narrative of Scripture and the fact that, that God has seemingly always and continues to draw a people to himself for his purposes. Right? We, we looked at that. We saw that really, I believe, out of the garden that God created them in Adam and Eve, right? They lived in communion with Him for His glory, for His purposes. And, and sin fractures this. And then we walk, the Old Testament walk itself out. God calls for Him a people. And then throughout that time and then into present day, God continues by His grace and sovereignty to call people unto Himself. It's part of God's nature. It's part of who He is. And these people are called to Him again, for his glory. And they're called to be, I believe, radically committed to the gospel and to the lives of those around us. To be a gospel community and to be a gospel people is not just to simply attend a church service on a Sunday morning, but to be people who are radically committed. Right? And I don't know about you, but I think radical, that word radically committed, right? We, we think, at least my brain goes to what media would call Right, just fanatics. Right? The word radical is often used in a negative connotation. But I, but I think it's accurate to what we're called to be. Another word you could use would be just zealous after the Lord and his purposes. So if last week we established that gospel community is significant, that gospel community is unique, then now we begin to ask the question, well, then what does it look like? We've given validity to this thing called gospel community, but what does it really mean and what does it really look like in our lives day in and day out? And again, as I said, our, our goal is going to be to discover that. Our, our, our goal, though, however, is not this. It's not to come up with this seemingly perfect and ideal list of characteristics that we can just kind of keep checking off and move on in life. But our goal is to look at the scriptures, to see what aspects of living in Christ were present as the church began to grow, as it was established, 
And as those who sought to live after Christ and for His glory, what things were part of these communities? This list that we're looking at in the next few weeks is not exhaustive, but I really do believe it's, it's just key elements to what it is to be a gospel community. So today we'll look at the topics of discipleship and evangelism. Next week, prayer. After that, what it means to gather to worship together. And then lastly, hospitality. I think these are important things. I think they're important markers of what it means to be a gospel community. Again, the list not exhaustive, but I think can give a structure and guidance for us, a local church family. So if you have a Bible, Philippians chapter 3, to me, makes sense to start here. We're going to look this morning specifically at verses 12 through 21. This is God's word. It says, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own. Not because Christ Jesus had made my own, sorry, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on towards a goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature to think this way. And if anything, if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is, is their belly, and their glory in their shame, with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body, by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Let's pray. God, as we just spend a few moments this morning looking into your word, I ask that your spirit would give discernment, give direction, and give clarity. That we would be obedient to you as you press on us the truth of your word, both corporately as a church family, but also individually, that we would be called obedient to you in your name. Amen. I think it might be helpful, again, just to give that quick definition of gospel community. What is a gospel community? I define it as the people of God being radically committed to Him, the gospel, and lives around them. So as we kind of use that word over and over, what does it mean to to be a gospel community? It's the people of God being radically committed to Him, the gospel, and the lives around Him. Right, And I think within this atmosphere of gospel community ought to exist an atmosphere and expectation of discipleship and evangelism. And so what is discipleship? How would you define discipleship? One author defines it this way, that discipleship is growing as followers of Jesus and helping others to do the same. I'm simple, and that's a simple definition that I like. Growing as followers of Jesus and helping others to do the same. You see, discipleship implies movement. It implies growth. And growth is movement and growth is a process. 
right? It's striving. It's an advancing. There's growth, right? In the business world, growth is what? Growth is higher sales, more customers, and greater brand recognition. That's growth, right? You watch the stocks. I don't know if you do, but you see it happening, okay? And things grow by what? Becoming more popular. That's a brand recognition, right? This weird smile with an arrow at the end of it stands for what company? Does anybody know? Amazon. Amazon Prime, right? I have it. I use it, right? It's growing and growing, right? The the richest individual in the world, as far as I understand it, is the CEO of Amazon, the founder. In the world. Well, what happened? His business grew. Growth in gardening means what? It's an increased harvest. Plants bud, seeds take root, eventually crops are grown, and, and then we can eat them. But to have plants go in the ground and the seeds take root, but never get a crop out of it, what was the point? Right? In our own personal lives, how do we define growth? Well, it's harder to define. Perhaps some words like maturity, just smarter or wiser or wisdom, perhaps would mark that, what growth looks like in our personal lives. But what about our spiritual lives? What does growth look like in our spiritual lives? If discipleship is to grow as followers of Jesus and to help others do the same, then how in the world do we know that it's actually happening? Well, I believe that what we find here, this portion of Philippians, Paul's trying to help us with this. See, I think here he's trying to encourage the followers of Jesus in Philippi to move forward in their relationship with Christ. Right? And it's careful, right? it's actually dangerous to say the words, I assume Paul meant this, or I think Paul would say this. Because I'm not Paul, but here's what I, can, I would gladly assume. That if Paul would want those believers in Philippi to grow in their relationship with the Lord, he would want the same thing for you and me today. Because Paul, throughout the New Testament, has an overwhelming heart for God's people to grow mature in Christ. If today you find yourself in Christ, then Paul, I can safely, I think, say that he would want the same thing for you. See, Paul wants those people in Philippi and us simply to be discipled. See, we see that it's important to Paul that God's people grow. It's important to him that that roots are, are put down. That the people of God do not reflect right, the seeds that were scattered, as the parable is told, that eventually get choked out or, or never even take root. But Paul desires for God's people, and I believe for you and for me, to be deeply rooted in the Lord. See, it's interesting. We didn't read the first part of chapter 3, but what we really get in the first part of chapter 3 of Philippians is Paul's resume. See, Paul was a zealous man. He was a religious man. He was a man in pursuit of what he considered at that point, I think, to be the greatest endeavor in his life. He was in the pursuit, I think, of religiousism. And he was well on his way. I mean, he wanted to be the top of the top. And he has the heritage, he has the lineage, he has the work ethic, and he's got the fervor to make it happen. See, culturally speaking, Paul was, was at the top of his game. Right? He's, that, he's that unique athlete who finds himself peaking at just the right time. I don't know if you watch college basketball. We get sucked into it in our house, March Madness and the tournament. 
Right? But you don't want your team to peak at the tournament. You want them to start peaking right prior to the tournament. And, and ride that all the way through champions. Paul was there. It, it seemed like, man, he was just peaking, ready to ride this thing through. But then God graciously steps into his life and graciously reveals himself and the gospel to Paul. And what we see happen in Paul's life, it's a change. It's a switch. It's remarkable. See, Paul said in in chapter 3, verses 7 and 8, he says this, But whatever gain I had, meaning all that stuff, all his accolades, all his heritage, all his accomplishments, he says, look, all that stuff I count as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. See, Paul went from a complete religious elitist to the humble servant of the Lord. His life went from personal accomplishment to being oriented around a life found in Christ and focused on Him. And this is what we begin to get into this morning as we walk out the rest of chapter 3. He continues to exchange and, sorry, explain his change in his heart that then leads to a change in his desires and ultimately a desire to know Christ and to know the fullness of what it means to know Jesus and to one day know what it means to know Christ and be face to face with him in glory. You see, Paul's shift, his greatest aim was completely moved. And if we were just to sit here and really read out primarily the most of the rest of the New Testament, we would see how Paul was used how he planted churches. He established leaders and teachers. He trained up individuals. He mentored people. He challenged false teaching and he sought to protect the people of God from false teaching. Not for his glory, but for the good of others. That the gospel would go forward. I'm sure many looked to Paul as if he was this personal life coach of theirs. But really, Paul's motivation was the heart of the gospel that had changed his life. But yet, Paul, he didn't see himself as being totally complete, though. I think it's that we just look at people like Paul and many other these heroes in Scripture. Man, these guys just had it all together. Look, Paul even says, I do not have it all together. See, Paul didn't say, look at me. I've got it perfectly figured out. He didn't say, follow my 10 steps that I'll give you. And it's neatly packaged a book. Read it, please. Buy it on Amazon. Okay? And your life will be great. No, what we encounter here really is what Paul, I consider, to be given a plea. A plea to the local believers, this, this gospel community, this church in Philippi. He's giving them this plea. Look, look, please, he says, be rooted in Christ. See, gospel community is to be rooted in Christ, and it must then be rooted in discipleship. What is discipleship again? It's growing as followers of Jesus and helping others to do the same. 
See, we are called to be a people that help each other shape, mold, and at times reorient our entire lives towards Christ and becoming more like him. What it means to be in a gospel community is to have discipleship as the primary objective of what we are all about. See, listen again to Paul. Verses 12 to 17, he says this, Not that I have already obtained this, or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own. Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider what I have made, that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward on what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Like those of us who are mature, think this way. And if in in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have obtained. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. Look, Paul knows he's not perfect. How do I know this? He tells us. He says, not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect. See, Paul's not saying, follow me because I've got it totally nailed down. He knows he's not arrived. He knows there are places in his life that need to be continually turned over to Christ. But he is saying this. He's saying, look, imitate me because I'm striving after Christ." And as I strive after Jesus, I'm striving to grow in my understanding of of who God is, how his faith works into my real life, how following Jesus works into my personal relationships, into my work, into all that I do. He says, look, follow me as I pursue Christ in all of these things. He never once says, follow me because I've got to totally figure it out and I'm perfect. He says, no, press on, move forward, work at becoming more like Christ." And if you think you can't do it, look, look at me, I'm trying to do it. See, Paul says, look, I'm trying to set for you the example. I'm trying to plod the course ahead of you. So in gospel community discipleship, that's what happens for each other. We help try to plod the course for each other. God has uniquely designed us, right? We don't have the same gifts, talents, abilities, even our four kids. There's different personalities, like, dislikes, strengths, weaknesses. And within gospel community, within the the family of God, there certainly is variety. And then with that variety comes one of the primary objectives of discipleship, helping each other grow in Christ. And it's best done with other people around us. See, gospel community is to be a place where we are looking at those around us and we're watching how they're pursuing Christ. We're to watch each other, to look at each other, and to look for that fruit, to see how someone's maturing, to see how they're pursuing Jesus, to see how they're dying to self and pursuing Christ. We're we're to evaluate, to look, to observe. And you know what that does for us? It, It gives us an example. Because not every day, if you can be honest with yourself and with us for a moment, not every day will be your best day. There will be days or moments 
where your sinful, carnal self and my sinful, carnal self will not want anything to do with pursuing after Christ. And in those moments, being able to watch others and be encouraged by others, pursuing Christ next to me is so valuable. It reminds me it's worth it. It reminds me it's doable, that others are endeavoring together. See, those pursuing Christ around us gives us an example. It also encourages us in our personal endeavor to become more like Christ. Because we hear and we see that he's still working in the lives around us. We're reminded he's still at work. I feel that some of us just kind of give in to the idea that that God's just kind of checked out. People aren't coming to Christ, it seems. It seems local churches are, are shrinking, not growing. So it must be done. But look, his work in someone's life also encourages us and reminds us that God is still at work in our world. The truth of Scripture hopefully is doing that for us as well because it reminds us of the truth that God does not just walk away. But people around us, his people, walking side by side of us and can encourage us that he's still at work. See, gospel community and the pursuit of discipleship also builds relationships within God's people. As we see the Lord working, we're growing together. We're reminding each other that the body of Christ, his people, are meant to be strengthened together. Consider just for a moment, consider for a moment in your life the things that you've tried because someone else has tried them, has recommended them to you, or you've observed them. So think, are there things in your life that you've just tried because someone recommended it, you've observed it, or so on? And yes, right? certainly social media has contributed to the rising interest in trying new things. Right? You, you read success stories, you see something work for somebody else, so you're willing to try it, right? Diets, workout programs, simple living, adventure living, raising dogs, and on and on and on. You'll try something new because somebody around you tried it and succeeded at it. Right? Uh, I know someone who uh, has terminal cancer. Okay, his former uh, pastor in our conference here. His wife has terminal cancer, so they say. And uh, they've decided to go to Mexico to try this, this treatment down there. Because nothing here is left to work. And so what are they saying? Look, we've heard good things. We've seen results of good things. It's worth us trying it. Right? When we watch life change around us, and our, and our perspective is proper, then we too will endeavor on these things. Meaning this, when we hold growing in Christ as an important thing in our lives, we, when we see others also growing in Christ, we're encouraged to also strive after Christ. See, Paul, as he wrote this, did not write this as some overarching authority to just tell them what, you know, the, the do as I say, not as I do. That's not what Paul's hope was. Paul said, look, look at my life. I'm pursuing after Christ, and I'm pleading you to pursue after him as well. See, God's design is for his people to grow, to become more like Christ within a community, 
for their benefit so that others may see what God is doing and step into the process as well. There's a reason that Jesus himself said in John 13, 34 to 35, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. And by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. It's really hard to have love for one another if we're not in relationship with one another, if we're not walking alongside one another, if we don't watch people observe and grow in their Christ-likeness, discipleship, right? that's hard to do. But yet gospel community calls us to this. It calls us to walk in life together. To see God doing a work in somebody's life and that encourages and strengthens us and we encourage that person to keep pursuing Christ. Right? And I think discipleship and evangelism, they're, they're really hand in hand. I think so often we think discipleship is here, evangelism is here, but I just, I don't see that. I don't think that. See, I think showing and pointing others to Christ is woven within gospel community as well. And so if I, if we, my family in our home is committed to having a home that, and we exemplify Christ in all things and we're about the truth of God and we're inviting neighbors in and they're around other believers with us, discipleship is taking place and they're observing, non-believers are observing, that's evangelism taking place. I think they're more tightly woven together when we're living authentic lives for Christ than we think they are, right? Kim grew up in this church where, right, Wednesday soul winning night, which is just fascinating to me that like you can just win souls on one night of the week and then call it good, right? But it was soul winning. And you would go out and they'd get in the bus and they would go door to door and they'd hand out tracts and try to have gospel conversation with people. And I think God used that. Right? But what does that tell us? It tells us that this idea of soul winning or, or evangelism is just kind of, it's, it's this one niche little box, tightly, neatly packed. Put it there when you need it, take it out, use it, put it back away when you don't need it. I think what it means to be a disciple of Jesus is to live a life that's constantly, constantly, constantly pressing towards Christ. Author Aaron Menikoff, in his article titled, You Don't Find Community by Looking for It, said this, Relationships are deeper and richer when our ultimate confidence is in Christ and not one another. When you live as if other people can meet all your needs, you will regularly be disappointed. You are asking them to do something no person can ever do to give you happiness that you so desperately want. But when Christ is your confidence, someone is freed to be your friend, not the God you rely on to meet all your needs. So what does that help us know? There's a balance here. That within our relationships, right? it's good to rub each other, it's good to help each other kind of sand off the edges, right? Sometimes take a chisel out and knock the edge off to become more like Christ. But ultimately, our hearts are united towards Christ. And Paul says, imitate me, right? But not because I have it figured out, because I'm pressing on towards Christ. Because I'm trying to become more like Jesus, Imitate me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. As they pursue Christ, man, just follow them. See, we together are meant to be shaped and encouraged 
towards Jesus. We're meant to be discipled. We're meant to help and encourage each other. So that means that I have an obligation to be striving towards Christ so that others too can be encouraged to strive towards Christ. You have an obligation within gospel communities to strive towards Christ so that others too can be encouraged to strive towards Christ. Right? If we're to go for a run, I know that's really exciting for a lot of you, but just this analogy, it works. If you are ever running with somebody, there's typically, they're not usually equal. There's always someone who's a little bit faster. And that's someone who's a little bit faster. Their pace is a, is a little bit better. It's not a bad thing. That causes us to press a little harder, to work a little more, to up our game just a little bit, to press in. And the same thing I think is true within gospel community. As we watch people pursuing Jesus, that can be good for us. It can draw us up. We say all the time about our kids, right, that, that they're here so they hear, right, adult teaching to be drawn up to this to watch you adults worship the lord it's a good thing to have them drawn up to it there's a reason that that i don't preach right to just third fourth and fifth graders but no we, we preach to adults and to draw them up see within gospel community we are we're drawing each other We're encouraging each other. We're trying to press each other to move forward in Christ. Not in a way to show our accomplishments, but so that we may all grow together in our relationship with the Lord. Because don't forget that Paul said, look, all this stuff I have in my past, it's just trash. You couldn't get better than Paul. He was the elite says, all that, all that accolade, all that notoriety, all that fame was just trash compared to what it is to know Jesus. See, discipleship within gospel communities, it has to be a primary role. Again, if discipleship defined as growing as followers of Jesus and helping others to do the same, in evangelism, if those things don't exist, then what's the difference between a gospel community and any other club or organization? What makes a country club any different than God's people if there's not discipleship and evangelism? What makes CrossFit, the newest workout, latest workout craze in our world, any different than a gospel community if the discipleship and evangelism are not present. So I'll tell you this. Anything like a country club, a CrossFit, a workout group, whatever it is. Look, they, they both want people to improve. They both want to create a space for community. And very often they both want to endeavor to speak into each other's lives. And we would say the same thing with the local church. We want those things. I want you to improve as a person. I want to have this space be a space of community. I want us to speak into each other's lives. But I want all those things to be oriented around Christ. Well, then that becomes discipleship. That becomes evangelism. Look, if we struggle to define the differences between these cultural groups and what we have here in the gospel community, then perhaps we've lost the key part of what it is to be the local church. And not just here, but other local churches as well. 
as God continues to call people to himself, as he's been doing since creation, I believe that his desire is that they take shape and begin to look more and more like him. That his people would grow in their knowledge and understanding of who God is, right? Just cognitive level. That they would just understand more of what the scriptures say and teach and instruct and give wisdom for. That God wants to allow the word of God to penetrate deep within us and mold us and shape us, become more like Christ. That we would be restored what God intended for our relationship to be with him, right? Now that's heart level. And that we, like Paul, would forget what lies behind and strive what lies ahead. Not looking back, listen, here's two things. Not looking back at our accolades or our shortcomings, but press towards Jesus. Like Paul listed all the great things that he was about and said, look, that's just rubbish. Those great things that culture defined as good, right? They actually had a lot of, a lot of bad things in there too. Because Paul wasn't Perfect. See, for the life of the believer, we have, I think, to learn to understand that God has forgiven you, that he's and the blood of Christ covers you and will be what saves you. And move forward. To not live looking backwards. A runner never looks back. And often when they do, you know what they do? They slow down. It happens all the time. I'm not a runner, by the way. That's what I watched happen. They look back and they slow down. But Christ today is not calling us to look back. There are accolades or failures. He's calling us to look ahead to Christ Jesus and to pursue him together. But that God wants our desires to be compassionate and radical and how we love others and that our deepest desire would be for other people to come to know the love of Jesus Christ because we believe best way to live life here on earth is with Christ Jesus. And yes, you get him in eternity as well. Uh, I, I'm just begging us as a people to stop thinking as Christianity as eternity only. But it is the best way to live your life now is with Christ. With Christ is modern day education. That we would have hearts that break for our community to see the best way they live life is with Christ as their Savior and Lord of their lives here on earth and then into glory. You see, to be a gospel is to be gospel saturated with discipleship and evangelism taking place within our lives. Not from a program, but from God's people and after Him. See the value of our lives rub edges with other people as we're striving to live after God's glory as a gospel community. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would just give us wisdom on how we are to apply this within our own individual lives and then corporately as a local church family and then into our community. Father, if we begin to become a people who who stop encouraging others to pursue Christ and then trying to pursue him ourselves, and we've merely just become a social organization. We should change our name and close our doors. But Father, would we be a people, a gospel community, 
that is, is strengthened by the hope we have in Jesus, that's encouraged by the love of Christ, that's reminded <laughs> that without you, we are totally lost, and that our world needs to see Jesus in his fullness, in his wholeness, and for ultimately our good and his glory. Amen.